they're doing that I ain't doing, but this ain't, like, this isn't it. Like, I'm, I'm missing something here. Why, like, and some people, I think, get to the point that they just bail on the whole deal. So we laid out this foundation, and then we've continued on, and we've learned in, chap in verses 15, we really start looking at who Christ is and what he has accomplished, which is a significant key, as we're going to see tonight, as a part of this process and experiencing those things we talked about in chapter 1. Christ and what he's accomplished. We continued on and we looked at Paul's leadership, his heart for the church, what he was about, what do good leaders look like, and where are they leading us, which is a part of this process. Then we looked specifically last week on in chapter 2 at some of the specific things that we have in Christ, which again is going to be a piece of this puzzle. If you weren't here, it's totally fine. We're going to go over where it is. But if you have been here, I want you to see how all of these things are working together to, these point, to this point. So this is kind of where we are, and we're going to look at, now how does it work? On your outline, I've got three theological terms that describe points or things about the Christian, and I want to explain what these are and where this how it works part comes in. Justification is the reality of when someone is declared righteous before God because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Here's what that means. It means I'm a sinner, and I can't do anything in and of myself to be right before God. Jesus came, took my sin upon himself, lived a totally righteous life, gave me his righteousness. He was raised from the dead, which conquered the power of my sin, so I get to experience life and have his righteousness. Now, I did nothing for that. God is 100% the deal. He did it all. I'm declared righteous before God. That's justification. Now, that happened for me in, my pa in, in the past. What's going on for me right now is this process of sanctification. That's me trying to live out the realities of that. I'm not perfect yet by any stretch of the imagination but it's the process of where I'm trying to become more and more like Christ, trying to live for his glory, trying to experience the things that we talked about in the abundant life. This is where we are in this how it works part. That's the sanctification part. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. God has a role in that, and you have a role in that. We're going to talk primarily about what our role is. Don't worry, God's going to do his 100% of the time. I am not going to do mine 100% of the time. So we're going to focus on the problem, which is me, okay? But God and I are cooperating here together. The third piece, which I'll mention, which is coming, which is fabulous, and that's glorification. That's when Kathy gets to go to heaven, and her sin is totally gone, and God does that all. I'm not, I, I don't, in heaven, God is just going to make it that way. Glorification, it's all gone. Tonight, again, we're going to talk about this whole sanctification thing. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 in chapter 3 of Colossians. And I'm going to remind us of what some of those keys are before we kind of look at the process. All right, let's read Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, in other words, that whole justification thing has happened. I have been raised with Christ because of Jesus. So this passage is specifically talking about people who have believed in Jesus and are Christians. If you are there, then seek the things that are above where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Four reminders as we, as we head into talking about this whole sanctification thing and how it works. In verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, the Father God conquered sin and death through Christ's death and resurrection. Christ did that. The Father raised him from the dead. He conquered every power of sin and death. The power that we need to live the abundant life is immense, and we have access to it. The thing on your outline says, number one, you have access to the power to overcome anything. There is always hope for you to change and have a greater knowledge and experience of God. Doesn't necessarily mean everyone else is going to change or the circumstance is going to change, but the joy, peace, thankfulness, pleasing to the Father, the good life we're talking about, you have access to the power that Christ was raised from the dead with. Nothing you're going to encounter is hopeless in regards to your ability to have change and experience Christ in your life. That's fabulous and also at times a little frustrating because you're thinking, well, why am I still struggling with this stupid thing still? Okay, it's a little frustrating, right? So here's point number two. Look with me at verse two. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Where are we? We're on earth. There are a lot of things here. Setting our minds for heaven is not easy. This sanctification process is not something that happens in five seconds, ever. It is a process from the moment you become a Christian until Jesus comes back or you die and go to heaven. And my point in number two is you will have to work a lot and it will not be easy. So for some of us, the reason we aren't experiencing those things is because we haven't really worked for it. We want to click on the Internet Explorer, and in one second it's up on the screen. It doesn't happen like that. That's just not part of the whole how it works deal. Look with me in Romans chapter 7. It's on your verse sheet, verses 21 through 25. Paul, who wrote Romans as well as Colossians, describes this how it works sanctification process. Listen to how he describes it. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Amen? The things I wanted to do today, I knew what was right. Many times, evil was right there, and I thought, ah, I'll choose that one. Okay? I get this. Verse 22. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He's describing the battle that we're all in. Figuring out how it works and living in the reality of it is a constant 24-7 battle and will be until we die. Great thing is, in heaven, not going to be a battle. Super awesome. But right now, it's a struggle for it to work the way it's supposed to work. Number three, in verses three and four, we see that our life is hidden with Christ and God. And one of my favorite phrases in the entirety of Scripture that I wish we had time to talk about, when Christ who is your life. 
I love, love that phrase. Christ is your life. The point I want us to make for the purposes of this lesson is you will not be doing the work alone. Christ, who is your life, is at work with you. You are never alone in this figuring out how it works journey. Finally, huh, number four, verse four. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This battle is temporary, amen, and the guaranteed end is fabulous. You're in the battle, but you know the end, and the end is heaven, and it's going to be fabulous. So as we head into this how it works thing, remember, it's going to take work. Christ is with you at every turn. You have access to the power which overcame sin and death, and this battle is temporary. All right, great. Now we understand a little bit of the context. Let's figure out, great, how's it supposed to work? That's what we're going to look at in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 17. We're going to begin to see a process layout, which I actually think is described really well in Ephesians chapter 4 as well. On your verse sheet, I've highlighted verses 22 through 24 of Ephesians because it's laying out this very same process that we're going to see in Colossians. And this is what we're going to do. Verse 22 in Ephesians chapter 4. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So one of the ways this whole deal is going to work is there are certain things that have got to go. Put off certain things have to go. All right, what's the next step? We see it in verse 23 in Ephesians. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. We're going to, I'm going to explain all of this. So I'm just beginning to lay this out. And then in verse 24, what happens? We're putting on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We're talking about our part of this deal of sanctification. This is what the process looks like that Paul lays out in Ephesians as well as in Colossians. I want us to read through these verses in Colossians and begin to look at, okay, what are the things that need to go? What do we learn about renewal? What things need to be added on? And then I'm gonna, we're going to read it through Colossians, make a chart, and then I'm going to kind of lay out the process, and I've got a couple of examples to look through so you can see just a little bit of how it's actually supposed to work. All right, so what's got to go? Ephes- I mean, Colossians 3, starting in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. All right, let's look at the specific things. Sexual immorality and impurity. Sexual immorality and impurity, if we were to talk about that for a long time, that basically is talking about any sex that you experience physically or in your mind or look at that is not with your spouse of the opposite sex. That is sexual immorality and impurity in a nutshell. Obviously, we could spend a whole semester there, but we can't. All right, what else has to go? Passion, evil desire, and covetousness. I think it's really important that as we read through the scriptures in Colossians and other places, that we make note of these things, because as we've been talking about this whole semester, the culture in which we live at times will agree with this list and at times will not agree with this list. So for us to just make this list based off of what we've experienced and what the people around us think, 
might be part of the problem that's leading us to not experience the joy and the peace that we want. So we've got to, as we look at what's got to go, define that based on what God says needs to go so that we experience the abundant life versus what we might hear or read or the way we've been raised. That's why it's important as we go through the scriptures to make note of these specific things. Let's keep going. Verse 6 describes what's going to happen. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Another list here. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. If we were to go through Ephesians chapter 4, we'd see some similar and some other things we could add. If we were to read through the entirety of Scripture, we would be seeing these things repeated in different ways, but we would be seeing them there. So, again, one of the things we've got to understand in this how-it-works process is, are we going with what God says needs to go, or what I kind of want to go, or what I was raised thinking was wrong? How are we defining what we're getting rid of? Here's part of it. Now, the next process, renew. Read with me in verses 10, verses 10 and 11, beginning of verse 12 as well. We have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. So a part of this renewal involves knowledge. In verses 1 and 2, we saw in Colossians how we were supposed to seek the things above and set our minds on things above. We see that clearly in Ephesians 4 as well. The mind is a part of this process. What you do with your mind and what you're thinking of in your mind has impact on whether the CD, radio, iPod player is going to work or not. It, what you're thinking about is a part of this process. So in knowledge... We see also that all of these things are in knowledge after the image of its creator. All these things that we're renewing our mind in are going to be consistent with God's image. Also, reading on verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. Those were describing groups of people that were kind of different from each other. But that, the renewal we're talking about, is not centered on those things. There's a unity and a oneness in, this, in the Christian community that is centered on Christ. The end of verse 11 is, but Christ is all and in all. And then I love the beginning of verse 12. Part of the renewal process involves some of what we talked about last week, how Paul describes the believer in verse 12, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This list, again, could be a lot longer and as we go through scripture, we could add a lot more things to that. But just in understanding how it works, I'm just trying to paint a little bit of a picture. So we've got certain things have to go. Then there's a renewal or mental process. Some kind of change has to occur mentally. And then what happens next? Look with me, starting in verse 12, we're going to see some of the things that we're supposed to put on. Compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, 
And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Again, we're adding a bunch of things. If we were to take the rest of Scripture, again, many of them would be the same. We would be adding some things. This is what's supposed to be added. What else? Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. We see thankfulness mentioned several times in here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So our first step in this how it works process, after we've laid our foundation, is understanding the things that need to go to experience the abundant life, the renewal process, and then the things that needed to be added on. Now, what I want us to do for the rest of our time is I want to kind of look at specifically what this looks like. Now, trust me, I want you to pull out the thing on your table that's kind of got the nine squares on it. It's two-sided. You'll notice one side has more writing and one side has less writing. Flip to the less writing side, but for all of you type A people who needed to know you were going to get the answers off the screen. The answers are on the flip side, so you don't need to be frantically writing everything down. Okay? Because my goal was not that you fill in the blanks. And I'm sitting down because I'm tall, and when I sit up there, people can't see the whole screen. And I really want you to see the screen because my goal here is not that you fill in every blank. I've given you the answers. I want your brain to be thinking about the process. I'm far more concerned that you understand this that you hopefully can be able to, Lord willing, take it and apply some of these things for yourself. So you can write down things if you want to, but you don't need to be worried about filling in the blanks. I'm going to give you the general scenario of understanding the process, and then I have two examples that we're going to walk through specifically. All right. When you think about putting off the old self, that question is what attitudes and actions need to go? What attitudes and actions need to go? Renewal, that question is, what's going to renew my heart, mind, and actions? I'm going to describe it more specifically, but that's what we just saw in Colossians. And then the next one, what attitudes and actions do I need? What do we need to put on? Okay, well, that sounds great, but life's hard and messy and pretty complex. So I want us to take it a little bit deeper. I want us to look at two levels on the put off and the put on. I want us to look at an external level, and I want us to look at an internal level. What I mean by that is, on the external level, specific thoughts, words, and actions. Things that you and others can see actually happening. There are some things on that list that we just talked about that needed to go that were actions. Lying. Those are specific words that, that need to go. You can see that externally. But I have a question. If you're here in this external and you see the lying and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I go deeper? Well, I want to ask the question, what's going on internally that's provoking the specific? Why are you lying? I'm going to come back and give you some examples so you're going to see where we're going, but understand the process. Why are you lying? Because I think we can lie for different reasons. Now, internally, what's the condition of my heart? What's going on that's 
that's making me or prompting me to lie. And there are some things as you read through the scripture that are describing internal things. Anger, something that's going on internally that manifests itself in some external action. Now, if you realize I have an anger problem, but you're not real sure how, you might be able to ask yourself the question, how is what is going on internally impacting my actions? How is this bitterness? Bitterness. I think as women, we can have bitterness that comes out in ways in our lives that we may not even know what was causing it, but that bitterness comes out. Again, we're going to come back with a specific example, just trying to lay the foundation of the process. Here's the renew process. I have made up or want us to use. Three things, just because too many is too many. You get confusing. Um, specific characteristics and promises of God. Again, I'm going to come back and explain that. That's a part of the renewal process. Second, specific Bible verses. These might be things that are pointing to the sinfulness, what needs to go, pointing to the knowledge of God I need, this renew process, and then the holiness I'm striving for, what needs to be put on. And then specific blessings I have in Christ and in the gospel. Again, we talked about a lot of those last week if you're here. That's a part of the renewal. Again, going to give you an example, but let's keep going. Again, the new self, externally, the same thing. Specific thoughts, words, and actions that need to come. Also, if you're looking at the external and you're thinking, okay, I need to be not lying but telling the truth, so what does my heart What's the condition of my heart such that I'll tell the truth? What do I need to work on in my heart? Again, internally, obviously that's the condition of our heart. And then if you're looking at your heart and you think, man, I'm really wrestling with anger and I need to put on love, so what things should come out of that heart of love? Okay, this is in generalities. Now I want to explain the specifics. I've just made up a scenario. This is not about any specific person. I totally just made this up because we can all relate to it. All right, what does this look like? Put off. Let's just say you notice or you're reading through scriptures, I gossip when I'm with my neighbors. Okay, this is the external thing that's going on that you realize, man, that's really got to go. So here's my question. Why are you gossiping? Because I'm not sure we all gossip for the same reasons. And if I'm going to get rid of the gossip, then I've got to deal with the heart issue. Why am I gossiping? So I've made up two totally different reasons for perhaps why you're gossiping. This is one. I really want my neighbors to like me. I'm afraid they'll think I'm weird if I don't gossip with them. So what's going on is I'm just wanting love and acceptance, and I'm kind of just being selfish because it's all about me. Again, this is on the flip side, and maybe... Maybe you're not this person. Maybe you look at people that care about what other people think, and you think, that is the dumbest thing. Why do people even wrestle with that? Maybe you don't really struggle with that. I don't know. All right, so here's another thing. Internally, here's another reason why you might lie. Let's just say, I don't feel very important when I'm with my neighbors. They all have successful jobs, and I stay home with my kids. And I don't have any competence or success or feeling of worth. I'm just not successful. I'm not doing anything. So I feel like I'm not worthless and that I'm actually good at something when I know things that they don't know. Again, they're not necessarily lying so people will like them. They're lying. Why? Because they want to feel successful at something. Because their six-month-old is not saying you are so great at changing my diaper. 
And you think, well, at least I know more gossip than somebody else does. Like, so you're lying. I mean, you're gossiping for a different reason, right? So the way that you would need to renew your mind is kind of different based on the scenarios, right? Let's look. We're just going to do the first one. All right. What specific characteristics and promises of God would the first, with the reason for A, they want love and acceptance. So what are some promises and characteristics of God that that person might be able to think about and meditate on that would help them renew their minds? Well, obviously, God's love is one of them. If they recognize, and I'll go ahead and put all these up here, Ephesians 4.29 talks about let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Romans 5, verse 8, talks about God demonstrating his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we're beginning to see some of these specific blessings that this person has. They're already loved by God. They're already accepted. Again, if you were here last week, see how some of these things are playing out in a very practical scenario. Who you are and what you have in Christ is influencing this. 1 John 3, 1. See how great a love we have that we've been called children of God. The love that's been given to us. All of these things are things that I need to remember and fill my mind with before I talk to my neighbors. Sometimes for me, it might be, again, I've made these very specifically connect to gossip and to the motivations for why they're gossiping. But sometimes it may not be specific. Like I've personally just in my own life been reading through Genesis just because I've been reading through Genesis. And I'm just seeing on every page in Genesis 50, I put that up there just because that's what I've been reading, that God is so sovereign over every detail and every purpose on the planet and is so good. And sometimes when I just get my eyes off myself and are reminded of who God is, I can get over my stupid, petty stuff. So this whole process is a part of Renew. Kind of making sense? Again, hard to do. But are you seeing how the chart kind of works out? Now let's keep going. All right, let's say I'm gossiping with my neighbors. So what needs to happen in response to that? I need to think in advance because, frankly, if you're going to develop a new habit, i got to plan for it because if I'm just there and I start thinking don't gossip, then I probably will just be drawn right back into it. So sometimes to get over my silly, stupid sin, I have to plan in advance to not sin or I'm going to sin. It's just going to happen. And so thinking in advance of good things that have happened to people that I can share with my neighbors, that's a specific way putting off the gossip, the dragging people down goes, so what do I put on instead? Lifting others up, right? Makes sense. Internally, what things need to happen? Well, I was looking for love or acceptance, so what do I need to put on internally? The love that God has for me then manifests itself what? In love for other people. And then, as I rest in Christ's sufficiency, I'm able to realize what that person thinks of me is not mad, doesn't matter. Now, a couple of things. I think we've seen how the mind is really important, and that whole renew process, really all of it. In some ways, we can look at the screen, and it's real logical. And frankly, it takes, first of all, you're never going to be perfect at it. But remember how I said this whole thing was a lot of work and was totally going to be going on until we die? Okay? You're going to do this same process millions and millions and millions of times 
between now and when you die. And it's not going to be like one day you're just going to think about God and who he is and renew your mind and never sin again. Like that's just not going to happen. So this whole process is something that we do over and over and over and over again. And again, remember what was our foundation? The spirit is there with us, enabling these things to happen. And sometimes you wake up and you think, man, I actually did something right. And I didn't really even have to work that hard for it, at least not today. Now, again, some days it seems like hard work. And some days, you know, after you've done things and developed a habit over a period of time, what happens? At times, it becomes a little easier, right? So some of the persistence is really key here. Now, I've made up one more that we can look at. And this one's kind of, I started at the beginning and went throughout. But this whole process that we're talking about is something that happens in different ways millions of times over and over again. And so the chart doesn't always start at the beginning and go to the end. So let's just say you were at church or you were reading your Bible or you were somewhere and you just saw Romans 8, 38, and 39 written somewhere. And that's the verse where it says, and I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that's in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let's just say you hear that verse. So how do you begin to internalize and think about that verse, and how does it manifest itself in putting off, renewing, and putting on? Okay, so obviously we're starting with a specific Bible verse. So I've read that verse. So how's that supposed to play into my Christian life? How's that supposed to work its way out? Well, from that verse, I'm seeing some characteristics and promises of God. I'm reminded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. He is incredibly faithful if he can make that promise. Faithful in loads of different ways. What else? He's incredibly good because, frankly, there are some times that he should probably drop kick me. A lot of times. So he's going to be really good if he's going to make that promise because that means not even I can separate myself from him. He's pretty good, okay? He's incredibly gracious, says I certainly don't deserve that promise. He's loving. You see how this could go on and on. So then you start to think, or I start to think, okay, this is great. God's never going to leave me. Nothing can ever happen that will separate me from him. This is great. Well, all of a sudden I realize, hey, you know what? And again, this is not like this happens in one second or that you necessarily even sit down with the sheet. This can go over the course of multiple days, and it's all a process. And you're just going to see how I've created this web of how all these things can go out and interconnect. So internally, I realize, you know what? I really have a lack of faith in God's faithfulness. Huh. That's not good. And then all of a sudden you realize, I don't know that I'm always convinced that God's really going to keep me. And you know I bet that has something to do with why I really wrestle with anxiety and fear. So the light is kind of starting to shine on your heart, and then all of a sudden it hits you. You know what? I have not connected it to this. I just thought I was being really wise and making good choices and being aware of the economy. But I realize I pinch every penny imaginable because I am terrified I'm going to lose my job. I'm not saying being careful with your money is a bad thing. I'm just saying, at times, our actions we think are good, and we all of a sudden look back and go, huh, 
And you know what? Then you start to realize, I manifest that in some pretty significant areas of control. I want to control me and everything else on the planet to make sure I am taken care of. What else? You know what? Because I do that and don't buy things, I experience jealousy and covetousness. And I complain to people around me about every single solitary thing that somebody else has that I don't have because I want it. Do you see how all of these things, and again, this is not going to happen in five seconds. I'm totally just making this up so that you can see how the process doesn't necessarily go from step one to here or there. And then you realize, I don't have all those things, so I get better. Well, then, also other things sometimes can pop in. Here's an example. I look at pornography because I'm trying to escape my worry. Have you ever thought about, for some people, lust is not really at the core of their wrestling with pornography? For some people it is, but for some people it's not. Okay, so now you're kind of getting this picture and you're like, well, the good thing is there's hope. So what do you do? You take back your brain and your mind and you begin renewing your mind and thinking about all those things. The spirit is involved with you to change your mind and your heart. And then what comes out? Well, maybe one thing uh, I definitely need is I need a greater belief in God's faithfulness. And maybe as a put on, as I'm putting off this penny pensionness, I need to do something that would involve giving. I need to put on peace and rest and surrender. I need to put on thankfulness and joy, certainly purity. So I kind of think, all right, for me, it's great to think, okay, I need to be peaceful or I need to give. But let's, let's start to make some specifics so these things come out of our life. Well, maybe one thing is I'm going to memorize Romans 8, 38, and 39. Because clearly this is something that I'm not good at, so I need to be able to remind myself of these things. Come up with something simple. Just to be able to combat the sin that's in my heart and to act on something, I'm going to give $10 to the church or to my favorite ministry. It doesn't have to be some super big thing. All right, I'm going to make or buy gifts for two people just to encourage them. I'm going to stop thinking about myself, and I'm going to take some proactive steps to do something for someone else. I had someone who loved me enough one time to say, Kathy, you're thinking way too much about yourself. I think you need to start thinking about other people more. And honestly, when I am having a pity party for myself or start getting all whatever too introspective, I will, and not necessarily something expensive, I will go to the dollar store and put together a package to give someone. I will write someone a note. I will, it, to me, it's a proactive way to put off my internal selfishness and begin to put on that which I want to put on. Remember, remember, I know we've gotten kind of specific, but just as a reminder, why did we start this whole process thing? Because we want to experience the abundant life that God has for us. And so that's why we're doing this to glorify him in the process as well. A couple more things. I'm going to tell three people that God provided X for me. Again, I'm kind of matching these external things with the things that were on my internal side. Um, I'll pray for my husband every time I um, am tempted by or thinking, think about looking at porn. Um, now, does the external thing always going to exactly match the internal? I, I mean, maybe not. Maybe pinching every penny 
I mean, sometimes the things that are going to overflow are going to match exactly. Sometimes they're different. And sometimes you wake up and you realize, oh my goodness, this is overflowing and I didn't even realize um, what was there. Okay, I hope that you're not overwhelmed. Remember, the goal was not to overwhelm you, though I may have, I hope not. I wanted us to look a little more in depth at the put off, renew, put on process, not to overwhelm us so that we can understand a little bit more of what it looks like so hopefully we can take it home and begin to apply it to our own lives and experience a little bit more about the abundant life that Christ has for us. Um, a couple of just random things. If you're already overwhelmed, totally zone out right now and just ignore me. Um, seriously. Zone out. It'll be fine. You don't need to worry about this. Um, but if you are not overwhelmed right now, a couple of things. Sometimes the external right things can be deceptive. We could do all of those things out of external things, out of pride, to make ourselves feel better. So, just because you're on the external good list might be a great thing. It might be a result of pride and legalism. So, that's why you got to do all three steps. Meaning, if you just put on, but you don't ever put off, and you don't ever renew, the process is totally going to fall apart. You're going to be proud. You're going to be legalistic. You're going to be doing a bunch of right things, but it's going to feel empty. Like, there's going to be no kind of heart behind it. Now, what if you just renewed? If you just sat and read the Bible all the time? Which, again, part of it would be fabulous. But that's not going to work either. Because eventually, it's going to be frustrating and stale because God didn't design us just so that we read it. He designed it so that what happened would overflow. If you just do the renew part, not going to work. What if you just put off? What if you just, just stop those bad things? Well, what's going to happen if all day long you keep thinking about don't pinch pennies, don't pinch pennies, don't think about money, don't pinch your pennies, don't think about, what are you doing? <laughs> that is not going to work. That's going to last for two seconds because you're going to go right back to it because that's all you're thinking about. All three of the steps need to be there or the process is going to fall apart. And the cool thing is that, like I said, we don't do it alone. And if this happens millions of millions of times um, throughout the course of our lives. So, again, remember what we started this with, because it can be overwhelming. We started with the fact that I'd bought that silly CD player and nobody could figure out how it worked, so I just returned it. Now, if you kind of thought there's nothing else to try to make the Christian life work, I'm returning it, you probably don't feel that way right now. In fact, you may think this is too hard, but it's not. The good thing is, remember, how are we saved because of what we do? No. God did it all. We're fully loved and valued. This is just looking at a three-step process. I just took us in depth, so hopefully we'd understand. We're putting off certain things. We're renewing. And we're putting some things on because we want to, what? Remember when we started our review? To experience the fullness of life in Christ that he has for us. It takes work. We have access to the power of Christ so that there is always hope, always hope that we, can ex that we can change and experience the fullness of life in Christ. One day there won't be a battle, 
but for today it is. And thankfully, God's given us the scriptures and a process and his spirit so that we can get to work on our own hearts and experience fullness of life in Christ and bring him greater glory as we live these things out in our life. Let me pray. Father, I know that in a sense this um, is incredibly daunting, but in a sense it is very freeing because it's the design that you've given us to um, experience greater joy and peace and thanksgiving in our lives because you want us to have that. And you have very clearly laid it out in Colossians and in Ephesians so that we can experience that. God, I pray for each one of us that we would just take the next step. That in the next day or two, you would bring to each one of us something to mind, even if it's a small thing, something that we can look at and work on so that we can experience the fullness of life that you want for us and that we can bring Christ's glory. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't call us to do this alone. Thank you that you have sent us your spirit so that we get to know and experience him more in the process. Thanks for, um, thanks for the joy of letting us participate in doing things to bring you glory. Um, I know in justification you get it all, which is awesome. I pray that each one of us, instead of being overwhelmed, would look at this as a privilege of being able to work at our Christ-likeness to bring you glory and that we would continue on in perseverance when it gets hard because we um, love you and we want to know you more and we want to experience um, more of the life that you have. God, I pray, um, I know when I started the illustration, it was um, kind of sometimes we get to the point where we just want to drop kick it. And I don't know where folks in this room are in their journey with you or checking out Christianity. And God, I pray for those people in the room that are feeling like they're at the end of their rope and they want to drop kick it. Would you encourage them? Would you um, prompt them to even call or email me so I can get with them and just be part of the journey of not drop kicking it, but walking back in with each other so that we can experience the Christian life, the abundant life, the joy, uh, the fullness of Christ, bringing you glory in the way you intended it to be. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you next week for our final week.